0: We've come by way of the cross. Um, this message, we're in Ecclesiastes 5. We're going to look at the first seven verses this morning entitled This Message, I'm at Church, Now What? There is a picture of church being as family. And we've all, well, we're part of families, and we know sometimes families f- fight. As Solomon looked out, um, he saw people going through the motions of church, but not going with a master at church. And we're going to look at that this morning. We're going to look at how important it is for us to think about why we're here. Why we're here. What's supposed to occur here What's supposed to happen among us? And what's supposed to happen through us when we leave this place, guys? Uh, if, if you found that, Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 7, I'm going to ask you to stand in God's honor as I read the verse verses here. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. As a dream comes when there are many cares, so the speech of a fool when there are many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin, and do not protest to the temple messenger. My vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, stand in awe of God. Let's pray. Here we are, Lord. You've brought each of us here this morning. What do you want to say to us Lord? Have your way God. Um Father, I just pray that as I seek to speak that you might really speak, that your spirit might be free to move and and God that we might hear your message Lord. God, we we we're hungry, we're needy and we want you to speak God. You want we need you to fill us Lord. And uh, Father, I just pray for the filling of Your Spirit. Holy Spirit, I just invite You to minister to us. Uh, Lord, we believe You are in this place. And God, we don't want to miss You. And so, Lord, uh, tune our hearts into You. In Your name we pray. Amen. <laughs> Someone has said a lot of people only go to church three times. Uh, when their are kids, when they come to either be baptized as infants or to be dedicated uh, by their parents before God in the church. Secondly, come to be married. And thirdly, show up uh, being wheeled in as a corpse as other family and friends come in order to pay tribute to the ceremony. Uh, another guy said it's like this, most people... When they come, they come when they're hatched, matched, and dispatched. <laughs> Why do we come? What does God want to do among His people, guys? You see, up to this point, as we look at Solomon, he, he's taking a horizontal view, he's looked around, he said, okay, what is happening around me? What matters? What, where's, is their purpose? Where is there something that I can ground my life and find meaning? And now as he, he, he looks around, you know, he, he could look down, he watched people as they entered to worship God. And he he just watched them. He, he, wouldn't that be something? What if people are here today and they come and they're looking for God and they're seeking him, and that's dependent upon you? Are you worshiping God? Have you prepared your heart? Are you here? Is he the audience? <laughs> are you looking? Well, that's Solomon. He's looking around at the worshipers. Sad to say, I'm afraid that some people come seeking God and they don't see Him because instead of leaking Jesus, sometimes these people leak other things. Hurt. Bitterness. Many times just petty stuff. But God says, you know, let go of that and look to me. Um I love sports. Somebody some guy had cleverly written this deal here. Said some pastor he wrote why he was gonna quit going to athletic events. Here's what he said. Every time I went, they asked me for money. Secondly, the, the people with whom I had to sit didn't seem very friendly. The seats were too hard and not comfortable. The coach never came to call on me. The referee made a decision with which I could not agree. I was sitting with some hypocrites They came only to see what others were wearing. Some games went into overtime and I was late getting home. The band played some numbers that I had never heard before. The games are scheduled when I want to do other things. My parents took me to too many games when I was growing up. Since I read a book on sports, I feel that I know more than the coaches anyway. I don't want to take my children because I want them to choose for themselves what sport they like best. Why are we here? As we look at Solomon, um, as they enter into this place, he opens up and he, he says to guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Guard your steps. Walk carefully. Think through your time of worship. Think through why you're here. Don't just go through the motions. Make sure you're going with the Master as you come, because formalism, guys, it can be empty. There were the Pharisees, they were the religious nuts that, man, they had to do everything perfect before God, and they wanted others to notice. Man, they wanted others to know that they were the, they were the holy examples to look to, guys. <laughs> they were the uh, idols. You know, we talk about American idol, well, they wanted to be church idol. You know, look at me. And as Jesus looked at them in Matthew 15, 8 and 9, here's what He said about them. He said, These people worship Me with their lips, but their hearts are far from Me. They worship Me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. I think as, as, as God speaks to us, He wants us to evaluate ourselves and say, Am I awake spiritually or am I asleep? Do I just come and leave, come and leave, come and leave? Or... Do I want to meet Jesus? Do do I want to be touched by Him? Do I want His passion to flow through my life? Or do I just want to go through the motions? You know, oftentimes in, in, in the church, they'll do something that has meaning and they keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And before long, they're still doing it, but they don't know why they're doing it. And it loses its meaning. People forget why. And then they get bored with it because they forget why they're doing it. But they can't quit doing it because they've been doing it for three generations. One of the things that's hardest for a Baptist to do, guys, is to bury something when it's dead. I'm kind of, con- I'm kind of convinced of that. God says, don't fall into that. Somebody shared this quote with me a long time ago. I thought it was so true. It says, there's a difference between tradition and traditionalism. Tradition is the living faith of the dead which is a wonderful thing it's alive because you remember the meaning no matter how long it's been and traditionalism which is the dead faith of the living god wants us to be alive he wants his spirit to flow freely through us guys that's his heart notice he calls it a sacrifice of fools in psalm 141 it says the fool says in his heart there is no god So what is a sacrifice of fools? What is it that marks a fool? He says in his heart, there is no God. Everything he does, he lives as if God doesn't exist or that God doesn't matter. Or that God is not the real focus. And a sacrifice of fools, you can do that, guys. You can come to church. You can sit in a pew. You can come. You can walk out and not really look to God. God. And as Solomon looks around, that's what he's looking for. I think he, he's wanting to come back to that. Is God the center of it? Is God the center of it? Um, Listen to Isaiah chapter 1, verses 11 through 17. This is from a paraphrase, the message. I would not recommend the message as a study Bible. But it is a paraphrase. They take liberty taking the culture of that day and... And using our modern culture in its place to translate. But uh, let me read this. Why this frenzy of sacrifices, God's asking. Don't you think I've had my fill of burnt sacrifices, rams, and plump grain-fed calves? Don't you think I've had my fill of blood from bulls, lambs, goats? When you come before me, whoever gave you the idea of acting like this, running here and there, doing this and that, all this sheer commotion in the place provided for worship? Quit your worship charades. I can't stand your trivial religious games. Monthly conferences, weekly Sabbaths, special meetings, 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 meetings. I can't stand one more meeting. Meetings for this, meetings for that. I hate them. You've worn me out. I'm sick of your religion. Religion, religion. Well, you go right on sinning. When you put on your next prayer performance, I'll be looking the other way. No matter how long or loud or often you pray, I'll not be listening. And do you know why? Because you've been tearing people to pieces and your hands are bloody, go home, wash up, clean up your act, sweep your lives clean of your evil doings so I don't have to look at them any longer. Say no to wrong, learn to do good, work for justice, help the down and out, stand up for the homeless, (laughs) go to bat for the defenseless. This is God as He looks out at a a church that's going through the motions instead of going forward with a master. And that's his rebuke. Remember Cain. He came with that sacrifice, but his heart wasn't in the right place, and God didn't receive it. And there was Saul, and he came with this sacrifice, and, and he went against what God said to do, and the response was to obey is better than sacrifice. I want to read to you old Keith Green. When I was in college, Keith Green, uh, he was kind of a guy in music. Everybody listened to his songs. Back in those days, uh, we used cassette tapes, which are almost extinct on their way out now, but uh, he wrote a song based on that passage of Scripture. It says, To obey is better than sacrifice. I don't need your money, I want your life. And I hear you say that I'm coming back soon, but you act like I'll never return. Well, you speak of grace, and my love so sweet, how you thrive on milk, but reject my meat. And I can't keep weeping of how it will be if you keep on ignoring my words. Well, you pray to prosper and succeed, but your flesh is something I just can't feed. To obey is better than sacrifice. I want more than Sunday and Wednesday nights. Because if you can't come to me every day, then don't bother coming at all. To obey is better than sacrifice. I want hearts of fire, not prayers of ice. And I'm coming back quickly to give back to you according to what you have done, according to what you have done, according to what you've done. God wants us to worship Him with a heart. Now, next, He speaks about prayer. Notice in verse 2, Do not be quick with your mouth, do not be hasty in your heart, to utter anything before God. God is in heaven, you're on earth. So let your words be few. As a dream comes when there are many cares, or the speech of a fool <laughs> when there are many words. Too often, our prayers can become so repetitious. You know, we sit down and pray for our food. We say the same thing over and over, just out of habit. If we're not careful then the, the habit, you know, it's just done time after time, But but you lose the heart of it. And he's warning here about prayer. He says, guys, you come in there and and, and you pray, but you've lost the heart of it. The heart of the prayer. Um, They had what they called the 18 prayers in that time, which were critical prayers that they would memorize and they would recite throughout the day. There were other types of prayers. Uh, There was a fire if they needed rain. Um, Different specific needs. There was a prayer and, and they had that prayer memorized and they would recite that prayer. But in reciting those prayers, it would, it would be like um, trying to recite to a friend, you know, in your excitement to a friend. And, and you say, uh, hi, friend, I love you. Those are nice clothes you're wearing, especially those socks. I mean, you know, the, the, you know it's just so monotone and it can lose the feeling God forbid uh, that we lose the passion and the love. I mean, sometimes we Baptists, we get afraid of the feeling we're going to start jumping pews or something, you know. But as one friend of mine said, I'd rather have a live Pentecostal than a dead Baptist any day. I mean, let's, let's not, let's not forget that that is part of us, guys. That there needs to be that, that fire that is there and, and that our prayers not just become uh, monotony. I wanted to share with you examples. I thought this. Sometimes our prayers can be too flowery. Sometimes they can be too repetitious, too long. <laughs> Maybe you heard this story, but uh, there was a farmer, old farmer. He went into the city. He went to a church that did more modern type of of uh, music, more contemporary stuff, lots of praise choruses, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, he came home. He was trying to explain to his wife about church. I said, "Well, the church wasn't that much different." Said. Uh, They did these things called praise choruses. And his wife said, what is a praise chorus? And here's what he said. He said, well, if I were to say to you, Martha, the cows are in the corn, that'd be a hymn. If on the other hand, I were to say to you, Martha, 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 oh Martha... Martha, Martha, the cows, the big cows, the brown cows, the black cows, the white cows, the black and white cows, the cows, 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 cows are in the corn, are in the corn, are in the corn, are in the corn, the corn, corn, corn. corn. Then if I were to repeat the whole thing two or three times, that'd be a praise chorus. Well, then a guy from the city, he went out to the country and he went in a church and He came back and his wife asked him about church and said, well, we sang some songs. He said, we sang hymns. And she said, well, what's a hymn? And he said, well, if I were to say to you, Martha, the cows are in the corn, that would be a regular song. If on the other hand I were to say to you, oh, Martha, dear Martha, hear hear thou my cry, and thine ear to the words of my mouth, Turn thou thy whole wondrous ear by and by to the righteous and imitable, glorious truth for the way of the animals who can explain. There in their heads is no shadow of sense. Hearkenest they in God's Son or His reign unless from the mild tempting corn they are fenced. <laughs> yea, those cows are glad bovine. Rebellious delight have broke free their shackles, their warm pins askewed, then goaded by minions of darkness and night till they all mild, chill, wax sweet corn have chewed. So look to the bright shining day by and by where all foul corruptions of earth are reborn, where no vicious animals make my soul cry and I no longer see those foul cows in the corn. Then if I were to do only verses 1, 3, and 4 and do a key change on the last verse, that would be a hymn. (laughs) You know, we laugh at ourselves. It's also true in prayer, though. Guys, we have our preferences, what we like. But let us never forget it's about a relationship with the living God. It's not about memorized prayers. It's it's, it's not about following other people. It's about being open and honest before the holy God who loves you and wants to walk with you each step of the way. He just wants you to pour your heart out to Him honestly and to let Him work in your life. That's God and that's what He wants to do through prayer. Sometimes we think by just sheer repetition that we twist God's arm. I heard about this uh, little boy who was in church and the pastor noticed he was fervently praying. Every once in a while he could hear him say Tokyo. 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 So afterward he said, son, he said "Uh, I saw you were fervently praying. I I wish I hadn't been able to hear you. I could hear you once in a while say Tokyo, Tokyo. He said, what was that about? He said, preacher, he said I just had a geography test. He said, I'm really worrying about it. So I kept asking God, God, please make Tokyo, 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 the capital of France. (laughs) You know, like we can twist God's arm and and control Him. Just be honest before Him. Okay, guys. um, Looking at this text, a couple of truths here that I want to uh, share with you. First, to walk prudently. Verse 1, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Be careful when you come to church. Incline your ear and your heart. God may want to speak to you. Don't miss it. It is too easy for spiritual truth to grow stale when we refuse to act upon the Spirit of God moving in our lives. You don't know the blessings that will be missed if you say no to the call of God. He may be speaking to your heart. He may be seeking to grab your attention. And you can miss it. Spiritual truth can grow stale so quickly. You remember out um, when God was leading His people through the wilderness and He gave them this stuff called manna? And the word literally means, what is it? I looked at, what is this stuff? And uh, there was a section, you know, with this stuff. that He would feed them, and when they tried to, they tried to keep the stuff and save it. It, it spoiled. Uh, matter of fact, in Exodus sixteen twenty, share that with you real quickly, because that's a passage about the man. Uh, man, the way it. Here we go. The way it shared that. It says, however, some of them paid no attention to Moses. He said, you know, he said, don't store this stuff, but they did anyway. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell, so Moses was angry with them. So too many of us guys are living on yesterday's manna. Is there something fresh in your life? Is your heart open enough to hear what God may want to say to you? Because notice, that stuff spoiled. It, it, it was rotten. It was of no use. Why? Because the relationship with God is not meant to be only about what happened yesterday. It's meant to be about now. He wants to speak to you now. He wants to guide you now. He wants to use you now. He hasn't finished with you. He hasn't stopped His work through you. Guys, He wants you to be in tune with Him because He's got stuff for you to do. He, he loves you. Walk prudently. I love with little Samuel. Remember um, what uh, the priest Eli told him to do. When he wasn't sure who was speaking. <laughs> he said, "Speak, Lord, your servant's listening." Man, what a good prayer! I pray that each of us can say this when we come together and hear God's truth. Speak, Lord, your servant's listening. Man, that's 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 what God wants. Uh, second, have an open heart. Uh, notice uh, it says go near to listen rather than offer sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Second part of verse one there. Made me think of Hebrews four twelve through thirteen. Now, turn with that to me with me, guys. Have that. Hebrews four twelve and thirteen. For the word of God is living and active sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even a dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. And God's Word is living and active. And it's sharp. It penetrates the heart. Um, he, he promises that when His Word is spoken truthfully, that it will not return void, that it will accomplish His purpose. There's, there's power there. And, and uh, the word pictures as I studied this, uh, one scholar had said uh, when they would make the sacrifices of the priest, they would take the sacrificial animal and they would pull the neck back and they would take the blade in sacrificing the animal and thrust it to the animal's neck. And, and that's the picture here of the Word being like a, a dagger that grabs us and, and puts us in a position where we're forced to see our true condition. That's how God's Word works. He grabs a hold of us and He says, this is the way it is. This is the way it is. That's God's heart. That's His work. And in the next verse, there it, it tells us that God's there, guys. You can't... You can't get away from Him. Nothing's hidden from His sight. And that we have to give an account someday. Have an open heart. Never forget, God is always there. He's always watching. He's there. Live like that. That's the, that's the word, I believe. Um, okay, need to move on here. There's an affirmation here in verse 4. Uh, as I come near the end of this, um, talk about the importance of making vows. Before God. It says, when you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to vow than to make a vow and to not fulfill it. Um, vows are serious business before God. Vows were never forced, coerced. but vows were to be taken seriously. Um, I remember I heard years ago, and I thought, "Well, that's so good. Someone had said, you know what our biggest problem is, guys? Our biggest problem is we take ourselves too seriously, and we do not take God seriously enough. It's part of a vow, is where we come to a place in our lives where we see, God, I need you, and thus you make a vow before God. And that that should be, man, that, that shouldn't just be Treated superficially, God says, "Hey, I got a hold of your heart. Now, what are you going to do about it? What about this vow that you made? What about it?" In verse one, guard your steps. Uh, verse four, don't delay in it. Verse seven, to stand in awe of God, to remember He's there. Um, R. A. Tori said. We should never utter one syllable of prayer, either in public or private, until we are definitely conscious that we are coming into the presence of God and are actually praying to Him. Proverbs one says the wisdom the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know how to be wise? Stand in awe of God. Man, be honest about God. Get in here and, and learn about God. Learn about you. and Learn about what God wants to do for you. Get a hold of that, man. And, and think about the vows. Think about the times in your life God got a hold of you and and, and you said before God, God, uh, I'll do this. And, and maybe you've forgotten that. Maybe you've lost your way with that vow. Maybe it seems so distant, so far away. Maybe every once in a while God gets a hold of you and says, Remember that? Maybe this morning He's saying, It's time to come back. It's time to take that value made before me and to do it. To live it. To put it to practice. And close with a story. Uh, There was a family that lived way out in the country. Not many people would come out. The road down there that went by their farm. Little boy. Was on a bike riding out there. This car came speeding by. Wasn't paying attention and hit the little boy. Killed him. Family was devastated. Broken. Unable to even talk about it for so long. Years later, the oldest son remembered the event. And I want to share with you what he said. Later, when my father picked up the mangled, twisted bike, I heard him sob out loud for the first time in my life. He carried it to the barn and placed it in a spot we seldom used. Father's terrible sorrow eased with the passing of time. But for many years... Whenever he saw that bike, tears began streaming down his face. The older brother continued, Since then, I have often prayed, Lord, keep the memory of your death as fresh as that to me. Every time I partake of your memorial supper, let my heart be stirred as though you died only yesterday. that be our heart. Guys, we're going to have a, a time now we call. Invitation, response. This altar is open to come and to pray, to do business before God. I, I will be at the front um, to pray with you if God leads you to call. Maybe, maybe you've only looked at God from a distance. Maybe church has been more of a formality than a relationship. Maybe... You know, you come here because you have a friend or a relative or somebody that comes and you've come back and forth, but you've never really stopped and thought about, why am I really here? What about God in my life? God loves you guys. God wants to forgive you of sin. He wants to enter your life. He wants to give you hope. He wants to let you know that you can be forgiven and that... You can be made right before Him and that you can live in heaven forever and escape what the Bible calls a condemnation of not being forgiven. You can escape all that by simply bowing your heart to Him and saying, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ died for me. That He died to pay for my sins. And that He is alive. He is no longer in the grave, but He is risen. And He sits on the right hand of the Father. And He is my Savior and my Redeemer. And man, you can have a new relationship, be a part of God's family, and have a security that you otherwise can't have with God. You can have that if you just bow your heart to Him and pray. He forgives. Altars open love for you to come. God. calls you in that way to pray and to say, God, forgive me. And enter in the family and let the family know. Or if God's gotten a hold of you and He says, you know, this vow stuff, uh, it's time to take those vows and obey. If God calls you, guys, it's never good when we say no to His to His pull. So let's say yes. Let's pray and come, Lord. We need you. We're a big mess, but you clean up messes. That is your specialty. That is Calvary, Father. Clean up the mess today. Speak to us, work in us, bring us forward, Lord, to cement what you're doing in our lives, God. Lord, this is your business, this is your time, and your spirit, Lord, is who we are counting on, God, to help us. Have your way, Lord, in this time, and we'll trust you as we stand to sing, as we come, as we pray, as we follow. Have your way, Master, in your name we pray, amen.